This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Bringing vision into action. Josh Veneta is a leadership and business growth coach. I decided that I wanted to have a bigger impact. Bigger impact. Fueled by helping individuals and organizations thrive. Engaged with a new passion. Josh is a proven business leader. To help others succeed. Over 15 years experience in helping organizations put vision into action. Where we provide tools and wisdom that help leaders and their organizations to thrive. Strategy. Strategy. Consistent execution. Execution. Leadership. That's what coaching actually is. It's an unlocking of what's already there. This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of High Impact, a podcast for leaders. My name is Josh Veneta, your host and leadership and business growth coach. Today, my guest is my good friend and president and CEO of the United Regional Chamber of Commerce, Jack Link. Jack is a titan when it comes to chambers of commerce. He won't tell you that, but I will. Many years ago when I met Jack, he was one of the first in the country to navigate a merger through multiple different chambers, which is why the name has now become United Regional Chamber of Commerce. Jack sits on countless numbers of boards, both locally and nationally. Most notably is his seat on the Board of Trustees for the Institute for Organizational Management and its association with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. So with that long introduction, and he's blushing already, Jack, welcome to the podcast. Josh, thank you very much. Uh, We've had a great relationship over the years. Uh, I can say I knew you when. Um, and uh, it, it has been a fantastic relationship that I hope uh, continues for many, many more years. Same here. Same here. So, Jack, I think first thing is when people hear Chamber of Commerce, I don't think they ex- know all that it entails. I certainly didn't when I became a member. So talk about how a chamber is um, supporting local businesses and enriching local communities. Well, you know, a, a Chamber of Commerce is uh, an organization of business owners and entrepreneurs who promote the different interest for the local business community. Uh, We're here to help our local business grow, uh, succeed. Um, Chambers provide access to many valuable resources, uh, discounts, educational programs. But one of the most important things that we do is relationship building. Um, It's, you know, the old adage, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, sometimes Uh, That's where the chamber steps in. And actually, the tagline for our United Regional Chamber is we're not just a chamber of commerce. We're a chamber of connections. Um, You know, very proud to say that we put millions of dollars uh, of business together each year by the introductions that we make um, and the programs that we put on. You know, one of the other things that we do is, you know, we provide support uh, on legislation, uh, both at the local, the state and the federal level. Um, anything that we feel might affect our members uh, throughout the country. I am very fortunate to be involved on the national level. Um, and uh, it, it's the chambers of commerce are not what they used to be. Okay. Years ago, it was you joined a chamber of commerce because it was the right thing to do. Well, it, today you need more of a return on investment in order to do that. You know, and we provide uh, information and resources to the different membership uh, companies. And we have individuals like yourself uh, who are uh, strong members of the chamber. And that's what we're here for. We're here to promote business and to help you succeed. 
And the advocacy piece that you just mentioned, Jack, has become something that is really one of the things that the chamber has become known for. I think, you know, in, in whether it be access or awareness of grants, for example, that local businesses might be in, uh, entitled to. Um, I think the advocacy piece is something that's becoming more and more prominent for uh, chambers throughout the country. And then, you know, when, with regards to the relationship building and the networking, we'll talk more about that in a little while. Um, but with regards to the networking and the relationship building piece, I think um, the ch the thing that makes it really unique is knowing the right people to connect. And you are a consummate connector. Um, and you do that so well. Uh, you know, it certainly helped us to help us to get our feet off the ground to grow our business. So we're grateful for that. Um, well, as you can imagine, Jack talks to a lot of business leaders. Uh, Jack, I'm curious uh, right now, what are some of, the, some of the biggest challenges that the leaders you're talking to are facing? Well, a couple of the biggest challenges uh, right now is finding workers, uh, finding qualified workers. You know, uh, the entire world was hit with COVID and people stopped going to the offices. Uh, you know, it was limited hours. And I think people got spoiled being able to work from home, uh, only work limited hours. And that's what some of my um, business and the employers are saying. We need them back. We need these folks, you know, for production. We need them, you know, to keep our businesses running. And um, trying to find the qualified employees is very, very difficult. Um, you know, many, many years ago, people would stay, you know, 20 years, get the gold watch, the whole nine yards. That doesn't work anymore. Uh, there's more job hopping and hunting around. It's a lot of the younger po folks, and I'm an old guy, but some of the younger folks are looking for work-life balance. You know, if you have young families. Uh, it's difficult to put in all those hours. Um, but trying to find the employees uh, is one of the biggest things. The second one is honestly the government red tape, uh, trying to get permitting, trying to get licensing for certain things. It just takes so long uh, that it, it just stifles growth. And, uh, you know, part of our advocacy is is we go and, and I don't want to say fight, but we we go to the council meetings, we go to the state legislators. Um, you know, sometimes I'm not on certain people's Christmas card list because I go and fight for my businesses, as many of my cohorts in the chamber world do. Mm -hmm. And uh, some politicians don't care for that, but that's what our job is. Uh, but I think the biggest challenge right now is finding the, the right employees. Yeah, I agree. A lot of what I'm doing with my clients right now is around just the workforce, whether it's leadership development, talent acquisition plans. Um, and I think, you know, it's an interesting moment because in a lot of ways, I think employees are more aware of their options and their, and their rights than they've ever been as a result of the flexibility that COVID forced, frankly. Um, the, the other side to that is, that's interesting is I think employers probably pre COVID are realizing that they took a lot of stuff for granted on what they could do and they couldn't. And so what, what we really working on our, we're working with on our, with our clients on is trying to find some sort of flexibility that works for everybody. And so the employer can actually win because they, they might need somebody to be in the office to answer phones if they're in a production position, thinking particularly of manufacturing or something like that. Um, you know, those empty production slots are lost revenue. Absolutely. Um, and on the flip side to that is making sure that the employee has something, 
you know, that works for them. And I think a lot of that starts with organizations lack mission, vision, values, and purpose. And so that's what the modern workforce is looking for. They're looking to know that when they go to work, their work matters. I think, um, you know, you bring up an interesting analogy is, uh, you know, that particularly historically, the kind of the, the baby boomer generation, as it's referred to, was incredibly loyal. Um, you know, they'd go and they would stay at a company for 30, 40 years. Um, and I think what you're seeing now is a transitional point in which work-life balance and what a company stands for needs to align with what I believe. So the, those are some of the things that we're working on with our clients. But I agree with you. One of the biggest challenges we're seeing is certainly um, just workforce related um, and trying to help organizations attract top talent. And another challenge that we have, and my uh, chamber is located here in Massachusetts, um, which is a little different from many other states. You know, we have a, a minimum wage of $15 an hour, and they're proposing it to go up to 20. Yeah. Well, when you bring in a, a new employee at, you know, $15 an hour, those employees that have been with you three, four, five years, they want their pay to raise too. So it, it's a financial burden on a lot of small businesses. Um, and we're just trying to find ways to work around that. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting point you raise. And I think, again, um, you know, let's face it, businesses are they're seeking to make that profit. There's no question about it. But I worked for somebody one time and this this stuck with me because it's so true. You know, a dollar today or 50 cents an hour today is three to five dollars an hour in two years. And I think your point about, you know, seeking an, uh, a minimum wage increase of $5, which is, you know, an extraordinary amount uh, at one point in time, a dollar here and a dollar there would be a lot more cost effective and make an employee feel a lot more valued than waiting until the government intervenes and forces something like that. So we're trying to work with our clients with more regular talent assessments um, and in the right places to offer high performers that incremental raise because it does make it awkward when minimum wage is raised and a, min and a minimum wage employee gets a pay raise only because of that or because of the fact that they had to hire somebody from outside for a position because they couldn't pay the same as what they were paying their existing employees and they gave that person a raise only to level it off. So, um, you know, delicate times, but I do remember him saying distinctly, you know, a dollar today or 50 cents today is three to five dollars. Um, down the road when it's forced. And he's right. Um, 100%. Absolutely right. So you also mentioned, um, you know, some governmental issues. And I think, you know, getting engaged with your local chamber can certainly help um, with regards to that uh, and educating yourself and understanding for yourself what the regulations actually are. And a chamber can help um, with that. And if they can't, they certainly have the resources and connections to be able to put you in touch with a person who can help you to fully understand I know at our chamber, for instance, you've got regularly folks coming in from mass development who can help you to understand nuances of things like that. Um, and we have other people who come in and work on uh, you know, business plans or um, with the SBA or something along those lines. Um, so that's a, another way. What, is there any other challenges you're seeing that businesses are facing aside from those two right now? Well, um, I'm going to use us as an example. Um, we have to move our office uh, because the building was being sold. And the prices out there right now are outrageous for rental properties, especially for commercial. You know, we thought because of COVID, you know, a lot of employees were not going back in. But the prices have increased uh, in office space, in commercial space, 
and just trying to find the right spot, you know, for your employees has been a challenge. Yeah, and I think inflation in general, we talked about this a few weeks ago at one of our continuing education events at the chamber, um, where we talked about inflation and some of the ways that you can look at that. Um, it's no mystery that prices have gone up for everybody. Um, and in large part, that's because of certainly costs have increased. Um, and I think there was a moment in general in COVID um, where people seized the opportunity for price increases. Well, the cost increase has, has now come up against um, right. all those price increases. Uh, and so, you know, there's a challenge there. And so seeking to make sure that you're maintaining your net profits that you were enjoying from before or during COVID, depending upon your industry. I know that during COVID, some industries did really well. Um, you know, it's important to look at those costs um, and manage them properly, seeing if there's ways that you can um, outsource some things in particular instances. Although I think in general, an in-house employee is general, generally better than out outsourcing. Um and navigating some of those challenges with inflation is something we're seeing regularly as well. Um, do you see that um, a lot of your members, so how are your members navigating in your conversations with them, their own price increases? Um, have they been able to maintain their own pricing to maintain margin? Well, they've had to because the price of all goods and services have gone up over the past couple of years. Right. So, uh, trying to, for instance, a couple of our manufacturers, because we have many manufacturers here, the price of steel, has almost doubled uh, the price of aluminum. Um, we have a lot of jewelry manufacturers up here. So the price of gold and silver. So, you know, in order for them to stay profitable, they have to raise their pricing. Um, it's, it's a delicate balance um, that they have to try and work through with all of their uh, distributors and their customers around the country. Uh, but it, it is, it's very difficult because, you know, one of my one of my employers uh, who does deal in steel said it can go up three dollars in a day. Um, and you know you've already made commitments to your clients, your your customers that you're going to build X, y, z, and then all of a sudden you get hit with a price increase. Well, you can't go back to your client and say, uh, listen, we're not making any money, so uh, I got to raise your prices. That just doesn't work. Yeah, not in a committed agreement. This is one of the areas where we're big on making sure that clients understand who their core customer is, because those customers generally are willing to pay because they believe in your service and they be or they believe in your product. Whereas trying to compete only on price and not on value or alignment, um, that only only ends up in bottom feeding, and it makes it really difficult to be competitive when you're just selling yourself based upon price. So making sure you understand what your own value proposition is who aligns with that value proposition and trying to find a way to align your marketing with that. Um, so let's switch gears for a second. Well, you... well, I just want to bring up one other thing, yeah. um, something that we've had to deal with the past year or two that we've never dealt with in the past is cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, the hackers out there, you know, they're holding companies hostage. They're stealing information. Um, and it is becoming an epidemic uh, across the business world. It is. Uh, so that's another big challenge that our employers are looking at, because, you know, if you get an email from somebody and you're working in an office and you don't know there's, you know, a virus or something behind that email, you open it, it goes through all of the computers. Um, so that's been another one of the challenges that uh, the new world, I guess we can call it, um, is dealing with right now. 
That's, I think that's a really good point. Um, and I think, you know, seeking out a, a professional in that area is absolutely critical. One of the things when I was, before I started my coaching practice, I was running a dealership and there was a survey that went out to dealers and cybersecurity was one of the three most things that they were terrified of um, because it could, you know, a lawsuit with somebody's personal information could sink an organization um, for certain well, I'm going to use you as an example because you and I had this conversation. While you were working there, some of your employees got an email saying, hey, I need $50 gift cards for blah, 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 whatever it might be. You never sent that email. Right. And fortunately, when one of them came to you and says, hey, Josh, what are you looking for these for? You went, I didn't do that. So that's one of the phishing scams out there right now. It is. Yeah, it's a good point. So let's switch gears a little bit. So before you were the president and CEO of um, URCC, you had your own mortgage business and yes. you hired a coach, a mutual friend of ours. Um, and, uh, or he was a friend of yours at the time, become a friend of mine. Uh, talk about what led you to deciding to hire him and what the benefits were. Well, you know, as an entrepreneur and, and while I was in the mortgage business, there are so many different things that go on that you forget sometimes how to, relate to a customer, how to talk to a customer, how to ask the proper questions, um, what areas to look at. And uh, I hired our friend, Bill. Um, you and I call him Father Bill because sometimes we have to go to confession uh, and confess the bad things that we have done. And he guides us through, uh, you should have said it, you should have said this way. But that helped me tremendously because, Josh, you know me, sometimes I'm a little hard-headed and um, – uh, I don't say that everything the most pol politically correct at times. And uh, Bill has guided me. And even though I hired him ooh, almost 20 years ago, I still stay in touch with him on a regular basis, as you do. Uh, and he's helped me wade through some many, many difficult situations where he takes your emotion out of it. Yeah. And sometimes in business, you have to do that. You have to look at it more logically than emotionally. And he certainly helped me do that. And I know that's what you do with a lot of your clients. You know, you have to take, all right, that guy really made me mad and I don't like him. So, but it's good for my company. Uh, you let us see the difference. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's a, a lot of like bringing experience in a non um, like in a non-interested way, like you want to see, I want to see all my clients succeed, but I might not have the attachment that they have to that particular situation. And so being one level detached, you can come in and say, Hey, you know, how does this serve you? How does this serve the company? And I, I think really in doing that, what we're helping our clients do is to stay aligned and focused on the end game. So the question you things objectively, Right. Yeah. I mean, the question you just asked of, you know, Hey, this didn't particularly go well. And I'm a little frustrated about this, but in the main, this customer is a great client of ours and, you know, we should continue to do business with them. It would be easy to be emotive and just fire that client. It, right. I mean, it would be like, you know, you free yourself of the aggravation and you move on. But I think what a coach does is they bring their own experience and they bring that objectivity to help you think a little bit more clearly. They bring tools to the table to help you stay aligned and then um, kind of move you uh, down to further towards your goals. And one of the things that you had discussed in one of your previous uh, podcasts is having that tough conversation. Yeah. There are certain subjects that none of us want to touch. None, And Bill helped me um, phrase it properly, um, attack it properly. And uh, that's why sometimes you need an outside voice. 
somebody who doesn't know all the participants like yourself, you don't know your clients, clients. Uh, and, and so you can give them a more objective view uh, of the situation. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. And you're right. I, we did put something out on um, having hard conversations. And I think that's actually one of the most difficult things in leadership. I think for people is having the difficult conversation. And then on the, on the flip side of it though, Jack is I think people are, when they get angry, they, they, it's easier for them to do that. But I think the flip side is a lot of times leaders develop really close relationships, whether it be with clients or employees. And so they lose the objectivity in the sense of they like that person. Right? right. And so you might have somebody on the team who is a beautiful human being, but they're not delivering anything for results. And it can right. be simultaneously true that they're a beautiful human being and they're not a productive employee. And how do you navigate the beautiful human being piece with the fact that they're not actually helping to move the company forward and leaning into that conversation in a way that's that's honest, that's humane, um, but that has integrity on both right. sides. Um, so yeah, I do think those are, those are areas we spend a lot of time with our clients. So here's one area where I think you can help all of our listeners and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with this, uh, this uh, idea is networking. Uh, I'm an instructor and a faculty member for the Institute, uh, for organizational management, which I referenced at the top of the podcast, Jack connected me with those folks for which I'm very grateful. Um, and one of the conversations we had with the chamber and association executives that were in the room was about networking and how to do it well. So what is networking, Jack, first? Um, and what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see folks making when it comes to networking? Networking to us is getting out and meeting people, meeting possible clients, but not only just clients, people who can help you be introduced to other clients. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, we go back to that thing, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, I'm very fortunate uh, because I do have many, many relationships uh, that I can make introductions for. And that makes me valuable to my organization and to my members. Um, you know, you've got to be able to, this is going to sound simplistic, but you got to have a little bit of a personality too. You know, uh, you can't go out and just talk about yourself. Uh, you need to get to know people. Uh, very rarely is there any one-time sale anymore. You know, you've got to build a relationship. You know, go have a cup of coffee, go have lunch with them, learn more about the person as well as the company. Uh, and, you know, we do, a, I think, a decent job uh, putting the networking groups and things together. There's an awful lot of business that gets done that way. But you've got to go with an open mind. Um, you never know who knows who. Uh, and you just sometimes you got to be very careful because, you know, you may say something derogatory. Uh, you know, about Josh, but like I'm personal friends with Josh and have been for a long time. I'm the wrong guy to say that to. Uh, but getting to know people, getting to know a little bit more about their business and referring some of those people. That's where, I, you know, I, I think part of my success is, is I make a lot of introductions. Mm -hmm. Does it benefit me personally? No. But that person knows that I'm going to give them a quality lead. I get more phone calls of, Jack, I need this. I need that. Who do I talk to? Well, I learned of all these people through my networking. Um, you know, you may never, like, for instance, we just have to move out of our office here and, and somebody needed one of those storage boxes. Well, we met them at our networking event, Josh, uh, and he just rented three boxes from him. So it's those things that make networking very successful. So uh, like Nathan, who got the business, 
he now says, wow, okay, the chamber is a very valuable organization. And they just, <clears throat> a lot of times, one deal can pay for your chamber membership. Well, he's going to get many, many deals out of it. That's why he continues to come to our networking events. Exactly. And one thing, Jack, I think, too, is you mentioned the kind of the what we'll call the one the one visit close, right? You meet somebody and it's a close. I think the sales cycles in general are a little bit longer because people can and there's a, a lot of different reasons for that. But people can do a lot of research online now. Yes. So I think, you know, there might be some meeting, some researching and the sales cycle is a little bit longer. But a lot of networking too, and you've you pointed this out, and you're so right to you personally pointed this out to me is it's repetition. You know, in the same way that going to the gym once won't help you to lose 15 pounds and gain muscle, but it does over time. Going back to networking events and keeping yourself in front of people and meeting new people and continuing to deepen those relationships in the end actually produces some really good results. It's consistency. You know, when when you continue to see somebody, you know they're a leg legitimate business, they're going to be around for a long time. You know, we get it all the time, the one and dones. They come into a networking event, they want to cherry pick. You know, they want to grab a, a, a good client here and there and then go away. Well, that stuff has, it's in the past. You know, as you just indicated, it's about having conversations on a regular basis, seeing your face on a regular basis. You know, uh, a lot of us get spoiled with these Zoom meetings yeah. uh, and, and trying to get people back face to face. I think face to face works better because you see body language, you see inflection in the voice um, and you get to know the individual a lot better than you do on the screen. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you know, it's uh, I understand the efficiency um, of doing Zoom. I really do. And it's opened up other opportunities, you know, nationwide for companies that historically were geographically bound. But um, I am a. I'm old fashioned in that as well. I think there's nothing like, and I think, you know, even, even the loneliness that a lot of people experienced in COVID or the screen fatigue, I think those are all indicators of the fact that we were made to be actually physically together. Um, I agree. So Jack, one, give somebody, if somebody's not a good networker, right. And, and I, I admit, you know, when I first started doing this, I wasn't, you know, you've coached me a lot in this area and I've learned so much for you. What's, if you could give somebody one tip, like, hey, just to get started, and this will make you a better networker. What what would that one tip be? Smile, put your hand out, and say hello. My name is, and how can I help you? Yeah. Very simple. If you help somebody, it's not the you're obligated to return that favor or return that. But if you can help somebody, make an introduction, get a client, get them information. You know, send them to a link or. Something that's going to help them enhance their business that just instills that you are concerned about them and not just about yourself. Yeah, Zig Ziglar had a great saying. He said, the easiest way to get what you want is to help other people get what they want. Right. Um, and there's so much truth to that. There's a great book, which I can't remember the author's name, but if you look it up, it's uh, easy to find. It's called The Go-Giver. And it talks about exactly what you just said. Like, don't be concerned for what you can take away from a meeting. Go in being prepared to pour in and offer your best self and help and bless other people. And then somehow, some way, it comes back to you, right? Um, it, does. it just and, does. You know, I believe, I, I used to call it the favor bank. You know, if I make an introduction or something like that, and I make an awful lot of deposits, but the best part of that is when I need to make a withdrawal, all I have to do is pick up the phone and nine times out of 10, 
I get the introduction, I get the information or whatever it is, because I've built up that relationship over the years. And folks, you're not going to go out tomorrow and get 10 clients because you shook their hand and smiled. Okay, you got to show your face, you've got to learn a little bit about that individual, be more personalized, um, and you'll get much success. Well, Jack, great advice and a way, great way to end. Thanks so much. This has been an interview with Jack Link, President and CEO of the United Regional Chamber of Commerce in Southeastern Massachusetts. You can tune back into High Impact, a podcast for leaders again next week for another interview with another guest. Thanks again, Jack. Great. Josh, thank you. Have a great day.